Chapter 14 of The Pony Rider Boys in Alaska. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Michelson. The Pony Rider Boys in Alaska by Frank G. Patchen. Chapter 14 Stacy Bumps the Bumps. One by one the travelers were hauling the ponies up a steep mountain, over which their course lay, four days after Tad had brought in the antelope. They had eaten their fill of the meat, hiding their rest in case they should by any chance come that way again. The going had been worse than before. It could not have been tougher for either man or beast. The mountainside up which they were struggling was rough and rugged. A short distance to the right of them, the quartz rock, was as smooth as polished marble, save for a hummock here and there, some of the latter smooth, others rough. Neither pony rider boy nor pony could have held their footing there for an instant. After two hours' toil they got the last of the stock up, which in this case was the pack mule. Ned pulled on the rope while Tad and Anvik pushed. They were safe in doing so, for the mule could not kick without going down altogether. Furthermore, it was as anxious as its helpers to get to the top and have the disagreeable job over with. The result was that all hands were pretty well fagged out by the time they got to a level space from which their way led around the base of the higher mountain. Now, Stacy, you haven't done much except to give us the benefit of your advice, so take the mule over yonder and tether him where he can browse, directed Butler. Walter, did you tether the others? I did. Come on, you lazy mule. I'm not going to tote you. You'll tote yourself if you want to feed, growled Stacy, taking hold of the lead rope and slouching off to the right. The bushes where they had placed the ponies were about ten rods to the northward of the point at which the party had landed. Stacy was apparently trying to see how near he could walk to the edge without himself or the mule slipping down the glassy side of granite-like rocks. Come along, you lazy cayuse, he yelled giving the lead line a series of tugs. It was like pulling on a dead weight, the pack mule being too weary to hasten its lagging footsteps. Chunky turned around and taking firm grip on the rope with both hands, began to pull with all his might. The mule braced himself. He resented this sort of treatment. The halter suddenly slipped over the animal's head, and the pack mule sat down heavily. So did the fat boy. Unfortunately for the mule, it sat down with his haunches slightly over the edge of the slope, and down it went over the slippery surface. "'There goes the other mule!' yelled Walter Perkins. "'Fat boy him go, too!' grunted Anvik. They had failed to observe Stacy. What they were most interested in was the sight of their pack mule sliding down the slope backwards in a sitting posture. Alarmed as they were to see their stores disappearing, the ludicrousness of the sight interested them. The mule came in contact with one of the high places, a rocky bump, which bounced him up into the air and turned him completely around. Down to the next obstruction the animal traveled, principally on its nose. Stacy Brown was only a few seconds behind the mule. The two had sat down facing each other. The mule, being the heavier, had gone first. When once under way, his momentum carried him along with greater force and speed. With a wild yell, the fat boy, 
sprawling and struggling to catch hold of something to stop his progress, began the descent. Below him he could hear the rattle of tin cans, for the pack had broken open. It was raining canned goods down there, but Stacy was not particularly interested in this phase of the situation. He hit the bump over which the pack mule had leaped, was hurled up into the air, where he did a dizzy spin, then sat down with a force that for the instant knocked all the breath out of him, and once more he shot towards the bottom. "'They'll both be killed!' cried the professor in great alarm. Tad, comprehending the scene in a twinkling, started on a run. Choosing a point where there were no bumps in the way, he crept over and, sitting on his feet, supported on each side by his hands, began a downward shoot. But the freckle-faced boy did not long maintain that position. A few seconds after starting, he was flat on his back, going down feet first at a speed that fairly took his breath away. Ere he was halfway down, the mule had reached the end of his journey at the bottom of the slope. Then Stacy Brown came along, but not much more gracefully than the mule, and landed feet first on the animal. What the slide and bumps had failed to do for the unfortunate beast, Stacy Brown did. He was a human projectile, and the mule, that had got to its forefeet, promptly lay down again under the impact. Chunky did a graceful dive over the body of his prostrate enemy, landing on his shoulders in a thicket. "'Stacy! Stacy!' yelled Tad as he reached the end of his own slide and got to his feet. Tad had not been in the least injured by the fall. "'Stacy! What do you want? Are you hurt? No. Then come and help me get the mule up. I can't. Why not? I'm strung up.' Tad did not know what the trouble was, but he lost no time in getting to his companion. Butler gazed, then he burst out laughing. Chunky lay on his back on the ground, his eyes rolling. One foot was elevated as high as it could reach, and still permit the boy's body to remain on the ground. The foot was caught in the crotch of a dwarf tree, and was wedged in tightly, too. "'Gracious! How did you ever manage to get into that scrape?' questioned Tad between laughs. "'Hey, Ned, is that you?' as a crashing in the bushes was heard near at hand. Yes, I'm coming. Is Stacy hurt? No, but come here quick. He's a sight for you. Ned threshed his way to them. Then he, too, burst out into a roar of laughter. Ha, ha, mocked Chunky. That's right. Never mind me. I'm only the fat boy, taken along to do stunts to make the rest of you laugh. I'm quite comfortable, thank you. I can stand on my head here for any old length of time. Have your laugh out, then shoot me. I don't want to die a lingering death. I'll lift him up. You get the foot out, Ned, directed Tad. This was not so easily accomplished. Butler tried different ways of doing this, but each time the fat boy's yells made him stop short. Every attempt to lift Stacy gave his foot a wrench, bringing forth a howl. Let me have your hatchet, demanded Tad. Ned passed it over. "'What are you going to do? Going to chop my leg off?' demanded Stacy. "'Don't worry. It won't hurt but a moment.' "'Professor!' "'Keep still, you ninny. We aren't going to hurt you,' growled Ned. Tad was already hacking at the tree, which was small but very tough. 
every blow brought a yell from the fat boy. He couldn't have made much more racket had his companions in reality been amputating the leg itself. At last, Butler had chopped through. He grabbed the tree, but Stacy, jerking on his foot, pulled the tree right over on him, incidentally throwing Tad down. Then Chunky let out a fresh series of howls, as the sharp sprouts smote him on the face and body. The foot, however, had come free with the falling of the tree, but the boy still lay there groaning, making no effort to help himself. "'Get up, you're all right,' commanded Ned, jerking Stacy out by the collar. "'See what you've accomplished now? You have done for our last mule. Had you not been along, I don't believe the others would have fallen off the trail.' "'That's right. Save the donk, but never mind a Stacy Brown. He's a good joke, that's all,' complained Stacy. Tad had run to the pack mule, which had sprung up, and was standing with nose close to the ground. "'He isn't Kurt,' cried Tad. "'He's all right, Professor,' he called. "'Both mules are all right. Hooray!' "'Eh?' growled Stacy, flushing hotly. Onvik, who had been making his way down by a more roundabout way, now made his appearance. He grunted upon discovering the disheveled Chunky, and shrugged his shoulders as he observed the display of tin cans strewn about. "'Much heap big fool!' ejaculated the Indian. "'Are you addressing your remarks to me or to the mule?' demanded Stacy calmly. "'Huh!' That was the only reply Stacy got, and Onvik began gathering up the stuff that had been lost from the battered pack. This was no small task, owing to the way the provisions had been scattered. Butler, in the meantime, had gone over the pack mule carefully to see if there were any serious injuries. "'He's a lucky mule,' announced the lad. "'There are no bones broken, but I'll warrant he aches all over from the shaking up he's had. I shall have to sew up that gash on his side when we get him up.' "'Let's get started and boost him up, then,' urged Rector. No, let the beggar rest. I haven't the heart to drag him up that mountain again until he recovers from the shock. We'll tether him and help Onvik get the provisions up first. Stacy, are you able to work? What do you want me to do? Carry some of these stores up. The fat boy shook his head. My weak heart won't stand it, he answered. Thrusting his hands in his pockets, he strolled off. The two boys looked at each other, and Tad shook his head hopelessly. Ned picked up a stone and savagely shied it at a tomato can. It hit the can and split it wide open. "'If you must give vent to your emotions, I wish you would throw stones at a tree, or at something that won't deplete our stores,' suggested Butler. "'Now see what you've done.' Stacy had promptly rescued the split tomato can, and carefully holding it before him, stepped gingerly over to a rock on which he sat down and began eating of the contents of the can." I don't want to see. Stacy riles me so that I want to thrash him. I'll do it some day, too, threatened Ned. Stacy paid no attention to Rector's threats, but having finally emptied the can, he threw it at Ned, then began climbing the mountain to rejoin the outfit. It was all of two hours ere they finished their work of bringing the damaged supplies up the mountainside. Then came a tug of war in getting the mule up once more. The brute hanging back, the boys pulling, and pushing. The professor had a new pack cover, all cut and sewed by the time they had finished. The boys decided to camp where they were for an hour longer, then go on, 
making a late camp that afternoon, the days being so long that this could be done without night traveling, which was very perilous in that rugged section. They finally took up their journey, making camp on a high plateau, where Tad was destined to make an important discovery before they set out on the following day. End of chapter 14